0: For for me. Come over, you run, perform for me. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Barrera's Bucket. My name is Mike Barrera and I will be your host tonight. Uh, if you've been following me so far, you've seen the first two groupings of conference previews. We've also talked about Cleveland State, the Horizon League, Villanova, and the Big East, more specifically with a couple great guests, Adam Mack and uh, Johnny Lecker from AAT Sports Network. Tonight... Uh, we were supposed to have Paul on to discuss UConn, but because of uh, other obligations, we're going to have to just go without him. But I still wanted to talk about UConn just a bit to kind of give you a taste of of what you should expect from a very competitive Big East squad. On top of that, we're going to finally close out our conference previews. We have another batch of conferences to discuss specifically. We're going to talk about the SEC, the Pac-12, the AAC, Ivy, the MWC, the MAC, the MIAC. The Missouri Valley, the Mountain West, the Northeast, and the OVC, or the Ohio Valley Conference. So we're going to close out with that grouping right there, uh, and I'm excited to to just finally t- turn the page on the previous and get right to the season. I'm recording now on October 14th, so we have less than about 28, 26 days to go before the uh, tip, first tip-off on November 9th. So it's it's really coming in fast, and I can't wait to finally see the spreads and and in everything the uh, season will have to offer for. Uh, for the next, I guess, it was five months until March Madness. So I'm very excited. So, without further ado, let me get right into our our breakdown of of UConn. As I mentioned, uh, I wanted to just discuss this team more in depth. If you heard us talk last week with Johnny Uleka, we we did touch about you know how they will be one of the more competitive teams in the Big East. Villanova, I think, by far, is being favored as as the likely winner of this conference. But UConn still has a lot to offer, and I think people. Should should really pay attention to them, even if Booknight's longer on on their roster. So let's start with James Booknight. You know he was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets this past year. So UConn loses someone who was really just a walking bucket when they needed to, when he was healthy, that is. He was able to be their highest scoring player uh, whenever he really wanted to. So that's going to be the big question mark entering the season. How will they replace Booknight's scoring? Well, to start, you know you have someone like R.J. Cole. He had 12.2 points per game last season, so he's going to really have to take that next step in taking over that leadership role when it comes to scoring. At the same time, you have other great players on this team that can really contribute, and Hurley has mentioned um, now already in the preseason how he's looking to go maybe more on the interior when it comes to scoring, along with by committee as well. And when I say interior, he's focusing on on Sonoga, the big man inside. Uh, him and Whaley are going to be a really formidable a duo in the front court and a Coco a Cook, if he's healthy as well, should be a good bench player for them. So, in, in terms of what they offer, what you should expect from UConn, uh, a good re- rebounding team, a very stout defensive team as well. Um, yes, again, like I said, the score might be an issue, but when you are as good of an offensive rebounding team as these these collection of players will be, then it does kind of make up for maybe a bad j- a jump shot or a few missed, uh, th- deep three pointers. So hopefully they can kind of, uh, crash the board as much as possible, but on the defensive side, they were excellent in, in terms of block rate, uh, from a stat that I pulled over here, UConn ranked 10th nationally in block rate as a team. So if, even if they're not outscoring you, they're going to make it very difficult for you to score both on the perimeter or inside specifically with those two big bodies, uh, in terms of what they then bring to the, the next group of players who will join their roster. They have the 14th ranked recruiting class in the country and the second recruiting class in the big East. Specifically, you add in Hawkins, Johnson, and Diggins, all very, very highly touted prospects coming in to a hurley system. So uh, along with those newcomers, you have you know Isaiah Whaley, the, the big East co-defensive player of the year. You bring back Tyler Poley as well. As I mentioned already, Sonoga, you have a bit, bit of a deeper bench. Uh, and R.J. Cole ready to take the next step. I think the UConn Huskies will absolutely be a top three team in the Big East. I personally like St. John's a lot. So I, I don't know if maybe St. John's could take that that spot in the second place. But I think when, when all is said and done towards the end of the regular season, it's going to be Villanova, St. John's, UConn. Uh, in some form of of order. So again, I, I don't want to touch too much upon this team today, just to kind of give you a brief in look a uh, uh, look into what you should expect from them entering uh, the, the regular season, which I said starts in a couple couple of days, really. So next, we're going to go into our more detailed conference previews. The first one on our list is the SEC. You know, when you think of the SEC, the first team you think about is Kentucky. Now, last year, as we saw with a lot of blue, big blue, uh, blue blood programs is that they struggled to, to just, you know, make the tournament or have a competitive season. We saw with Duke, UNC a bit, Kansas. I know they made the tournament, but they weren't the same Kansas vibe to them. As we've seen previously, Kentucky, uh, was right there with them in that, in that collection, but Cal Perry comes back and he retools his roster and he's ready to rock and roll. Specifically, they bring in Grady Wheeler and Frederick, who are just great, uh, additions to that squad. And, you know, you, you have a bit more maturity now on this, on this roster overall, uh, you know, last year they struggled with forcing turn, turnovers and grabbing the boards, but with this new retooled roster, you have Oscar Sheway from, from West Virginia, who's a transfer from, that we saw last year, Lee, West Virginia, you expect them to be competitive again. I know a lot of people are having them ranked probably top 10 in, in the beginning of the season, or maybe not top 10, 10, 10, at least top 15, 20 team in, to, to begin the season. So Kentucky. As, as expected, will be good this year, and uh, they have a great recruiting class as well coming up in the following season. So expect big things from Cal Parry moving forward. Next up is Bama under Nate Oates. Alabama really took the nation by storm last year, and, and I think everybody had them making a deep run to, into the uh, NCAA tournament. It was unfortunate that they weren't able to do so, but Alabama is is a very, uh, very high-powered offense. They will shoot a lot of threes. They will drive to the bucket as much as possible. They won't take a lot of two-pointers. That's one thing they kind of stay away from overall, but they're a tough perimeter defensive squad. Like I said, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. And in terms of a gambling standpoint as well, uh, you have in-conference play against the spread. They were 14-7 last season, Uh, regular season play. They were 15-11-1, and at home, they were 9-4. So if you're looking for the gambling side of things, they were a great team to bet on, and and I expect to be betting on them as well today, or this season, rather. now, I know one of the injury note to pay attention, Namari Burnett uh, hurt his knee over the offseason. I think it only happened a couple of weeks ago. I remember it dropped the same time Flanagan got hurt uh, with Auburn. So I don't have the exact timetable in front of me for when he comes back, but a significant injury from Alabama, of course, losing one of their players. Next up, we're going to talk briefly about Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee is one team that had a bit up and down year last year. I know they lost to uh, Oregon state in the NCAA tournament last season and Oregon state of course went on to have their miraculous run. So I guess you can't blame Tennessee too much, but they have Chandler coming in. He's a five-star recruit that people are you know, be, going to be watching pretty closely. And then Fulkerson is another player to watch out there, but they lose two NBA caliber uh, players. One of them being Springer who went to the 76ers, you know, my, my hometown, or I guess my local team, the Philadelphia 76ers. So, one of the biggest concerns you have anytime you lose an NBA caliber, uh, quality in terms of players is how do you replace that? So Tennessee will be a team that I've, I've kind of been skeptical, skeptical about so far as I was last year in terms of betting. I'm probably not going to bet them because I feel so on the fence about them. But again, Tennessee's usually a top five, top six SEC team, as we've seen the last couple of years. Next up is Auburn. Bruce Pearl has done a great job retooling this roster. I, I know, as of maybe a couple months ago, uh, John Rothstein, a great college basketball follower, uh, follow online and a great tweeter overall <laughs> as well. He had met, put them as a, uh, one of his top sec squads. So absolutely pay attention to Auburn. I know they bring in Walker Kessler from UNC. So that's a big get for, for Bruce Pearl. And uh, on the flip side of things, they lose Flanagan who hurt, hurts his Achilles. He's out for 12 to 14 weeks, which is is really unfortunate, uh, but you bring in Green Jr. from Eastern Kentucky, Jasper from tr- uh, Charleston as well. So you have a couple transfers that will be, you know, looking to make a difference um, as soon as possible. And, you know, Flanagan was their second highest scorer, so you really need to be scoring by committee then if you're, if you're going to lose that that type of quality from, from his absence. So we'll see. You know, they have Cambridge Williams as, as well as good returning players. So Auburn should be a fun team to watch even without Sharif Cooper, uh, another NBA talent that we've seen from the SEC. Next up, people are getting very hyped about uh, Muscleman's Arkansas Razorbacks. I know last season, I myself had them go into the lead eight in in my bracket pool, so I was glad that they live up to that expectation. They ended up beating Colgate, Texas Tech, and Oral Roberts uh, last year to make it that far. So maybe not the the hardest route in terms of uh, the competition they played, but Nevertheless, Arkansas was a, a strong defensive squad, and they had Moody leading the way, who's now no, no longer there. People are getting very excited about Arkansas. Uh, they bring in likes from, was oh, it Miami? Now, in terms of his defensive abilities, he's a bit smaller, so it, it's going to be interesting to see um, how he does on that side. He's also had injury issues as well, uh, but the transfers did, did well for Musselman. He brought a handful, and then he brought in Stanley and Mude from South Dakota. Oh, they see Tony from Pittsburgh, Trey Wade, Wichita State. Kamani Johnson from Little Rock, Chance Moore is another newcomer, and then Jackson Robinson from Texas A&M, so a lot of big transfers coming in for them, and I believe I just saw today, uh, like I said, October 14th, he just has a a new uh, recruit committed for next season as well, so Musselman's really doing a great job in Arkansas, and will they be able to be the same Elite Eight team as before? I don't know, but regardless, top five SEC team in my opinion as well. Next, one of the more frustrating teams to watch at times is LSU. Uh, they lose Cam Thomas, Wofford and smart, but Cam Thomas in particular was just one of the best scores in, in college basketball. And, and he got drafted by the nets. I believe it was. And, and I'm sure his scoring ability is going to transition well into the NBA. He's just one of those players who just has a knack for finding a, You know, a, a two point or three point play uh, anytime he wants, but he bring in Pinson from Mizzou. Um, you know, in terms of what to expect from, from LSU, they're going to be a high-scoring team. They're probably not going to play a whole lot of defense, as we saw last season. Even if you try to replace some of that missing talent, um, you don't really know how far they're going to go if they don't choose to play any stout defense. So, again, LSU, you know, maybe if you're looking for the over on, on them, LSU might be a team to pick for the over, considering how much they score and give up as well. Uh, Florida. Florida. I'll just talk briefly about them. Castleton being the big player there to pay attention to. Uh, I know they made the NCAA tournament last year. Didn't go far, but, you know, Florida w- looks to get back to w- the way they used to be when Billy Donovan was around with, um, was it Joakim Noah and, and and that that really great group of players. So they bring in sh- a sharpshooter from Penn State, uh, Jones. And uh, one of the unfortunate news to hear about Florida was Keontae Johnson. If you guys remember at the beginning of last year, Keontae collapsed on the floor i think it was during a preseason game or or, or early early season game uh they, they said it was some sort of medical condition and from what the looks of it is he's not gonna be able to come back to competitive play within the immediate future so wishing him the best it's unfortunate for their team and and hoping that he can uh, eventually find the court again now in terms of a sleeper and then i'll close out the sec a sleeper that everybody's looking at is a, Miss- a mississippi state you know garrison brooks from unc is a nice transfer to watch. He also brought in DJ Jeffries from Memphis, Shaquille Moore from NC State, and Rocket Watts from Michigan State. And then on top of that, you have uh, Iverson Molnar who's a big playmaker for that team. So you have a you have a lot of options in terms of uh, you know uh, in terms of who you brought in and who you can compare with Iverson as well. So do I think they're going to win the conference? No, not not competing against Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky. But if you're looking to get a multi bid. Um, number into the, into the NCAA tournament. If Mississippi state can play well with those transfers and, and take that next step from what we saw last season, yeah, maybe they can make an NCAA tournament run, uh, or at least, you know, a, a higher seed seven to eight ninth seed in the NCAA tournament. And to close out real quick for the SEC, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Mizzou and Vandy and Georgia on the lower tiers, especially Georgia being probably closer to the bottom of that collection of teams. Uh, but Vanderbilt, Scottie Pippen is of course a player to watch there and and hopefully Vanderbilt can slowly begin to creep up the the SEC table uh, under Stackhouse. But again, I think, I think Kentucky takes it this year, although Bama should be knocking on the door very closely behind them. Uh, Next up is UCLA. So real quick, I saw today from one of my buddies on Twitter, Mark Cundiff, and I'll pull up his tweet in one second. Uh, Today he mentioned, he talked about Jamie Jacques, one of the players for UCLA, who we saw last season have such a great uh, con- contribution in the NCAA tournament. He says, Jamie Jock has had the third most points ever for a UCLA player in their NCAA tournament debut last season. He had 27 points, which was behind Lou Alcindor, 29 points and Reggie Miller, two obvious hall of famers right there. So some great company uh, for Jamie and, and you expect him, Tiger Campbell and Juzang to, you know, lead the way again. UCLA is, is being looked at as a top five uh, team in the nation expected to win the national title this year, if not at least make the final four. So UCLA has a very, very uh, high bar that they need to hit. But uh, one of the questions I have is, you know, if they didn't go on their miraculous run last year, would they be as closely uh, looked at for for a national title contending team? I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, they they have Peyton Watson coming in, who's a fun player to watch, and then they bring in Rutgers Miles uh, Johnson, which is actually a very nice addition for them, but if you look more closely at their at their tour, tournament run, I'd say they got a bit fortunate as well. Uh, you know, Michigan State had the lead, they blew it, and UCLA advances. And then in terms of free throw percentage, Michigan saw, shot fifty four percent from free throw line, Bama forty four percent, and then BYU, which, which is typically a good shooting team, only shot fifty six percent from the from the charity stripe. So you're looking at three teams who shot less than sixty percent against UCLA and then Michigan State blowing the lead. If Michigan State can hold on in that first round, do you do you think UCLA is able to is able to be a title contending team this season? I'm not sure. Regardless though, I'm not going to take anything away from them. They, they made the final four and they did what they had to do and they bring back a great uh, collection of, of players. So I expect UCLA to be a top, at least a top two Pac-12 team. Next up is Oregon. Uh, Altman's done a great job, you know, retooling this roster. Again, you lose Duarte and Omarui who were two very good scores for you. Uh, but you bring in size. You now have four players at 6'11", which is great. And you have uh, Gure from, from Syracuse who brings in some deep shooting as well. And then Will Richardson is a fourth-year guard for them. And then look at the, a couple extra transfers. You bring another Rutgers player into the S, uh, to the Pac-12, rather, with Jacob Young and uh, Divine Harmon from OU. So you, you bring in some new players in there. You add some size to the team. If you guys remember, the, I believe it was the first matchup against USC, Oregon got smacked around pretty good, pretty good against that very tall uh, Trojan squad. So adding size to them is, is very essential for sure. But if they can't score on the inside, you know, you looked at them last year as one of the better three-point shooting teams in the nation. So Oregon will, again, be consistently good in the Pac-12 as we've seen so far. A team I'm really excited about is Arizona. A uh, new coach, Tommy Loy, comes in. He had 20 years with Gonzaga program under Mark Few. So he comes from a great background in terms of, uh, you know, the coaching tree. And he's a big international guy. He, he's going to be heavy with that this season on, on their roster. And he brings in Ballo from Gonzaga. And he also brings in uh, Kim Aiken from from Eastern Washington. And if I remember correctly, Aiken had originally uh, signed with uh, Washington State. But because I think of academic problems or, or something along those lines, he, he ended up going to to Arizona. But Kim Aiken was a defensive player of the year for the Big Sky. So, you have a good size and inside for the interior. You have a defensive minded squad uh, with, with the front court and their length as well. You expect them to be good on the defense. Uh, with Tommy Lloyd, from what it looks like, it should be a high tempo offense as well. So, Arizona, I think, could actually be a, a top three Pac 12 team. And I hope so. Uh, I think to, you know, seeing what Tommy Lloyd can do will be very exciting to watch. Next up, a team I've already mentioned briefly was USC's, the USC Trojan. You know they had Evan Mobley last year, who was a, I think it was a, a top three pick in the NBA draft. I think he went second overall. Um, but you lose, you lose Mobley, but you still have one more left with Isaiah Mobley, who's expected to have a breakout season. Um, I was also listening to an interview with John Rothstein, and he mentioned Evan, Ethan Anderson, uh, the team's point guard, had just lost twenty pounds. He went on some, you know, crazy diet, so he slimmed up. You bring in Boogie Ellis from Memphis as well, who's another ball handler that you can add to the mix. Uh, but it's tough. You know, you, you lose an NBA caliber high caliber talent with Evan Mobley. Uh they had one of the best two point defenses in the league last year and him being a main reason for that. So USC will be tough. Um and uh, you know, they were fortunate with, with who they matched up with in, in the tournament last year, but I, I think USC should it be expected to make the tournament this year. Do I do I think they make the elite a run that they did previously? No, but I think a Sweet 16 is expected based off last year's success. So USC another another team to watch in the Pac-12. Uh, next up is uh, a- uh, ASU Arizona State University. They have Marcus Bagley returning, which is, is huge for them. They also bring in Marion Jackson, the MAC Player of the Year with Toledo. Uh, he was just a scoring beast out there. So he, you come into him, uh, you, rather you come into uh, Hurley system with Jackson. You expect him to play at a high level under under his uh, under his guidance, but. Uh, we had to wait and see with Arizona state, you know, they've had some talented players in the past, but they just never seemed to put it all together. It was kind of a, I guess a a broken style chemistry for them. It's hard to explain, uh, but overall you, you really need to, if if you have someone like Hurley and you have the talent like Bagley and Marion Jackson on your roster, you really need to piece things together uh, if you're Hurley. So all eyes are on him this year to, to hopefully break the top five of the uh, PAC 12. And then, Next, another team that I'm really, really excited about, and I loved watching last year, was Washington State. Isaac Bonton is gone, but you saw the emergence of Noah Williams last year, and you expect Noah Williams to have big uh, a big season this year. You know, Kyle Smith's done a great job out there. Uh, if you remember from way back when Tony Bennett was there back in uh, 2008, their last NCAA tournament appearance, so it's been a long drought for for Washington State fans out there. But you really have a good squad, and if you're looking to replace Isaac Bonton, who was by far your best player, well you bring in flowers from South Alabama who, who led the league and who led the Sun Belt rather in scoring last year. So you replace scoring with, with a, a, another score in uh, flowers. And, uh, you have Roberts, who's, who's a great shooter from deep and he adds a bit of more offensive pu- punch to make up for Bonton. And then Abagidi is another front court player who'll be good off the glass as well. Uh, and then a, a name you might, re- you know, recognize Dennis Robin's son, DJ, he's a good shooter as well. So they have some shooting now. Um, they'll play some strong defense as well. Uh, they're just a tough, tough defensive team, just a tough unit overall under coach Smith. And I expect them to be uh, maybe a top five or six team in the PAC 12. I know people had them as a sleeper this year, and I think rightfully so we saw glimpses of it last year. And I think we're going to see it, that step forward next year or rather this year, uh, entering, uh, hopefully the March Madness and they can finally make it in there. Uh, one of the teams I, I loved last year as well was Colorado. You had, a uh, Wright, who was was an outstanding player last year, and you have Beatty as well. He returns Beatty, and so does Walker, and you'll expect them to fill the shoes of Wright. Is that doable for them? Not sure. You know, Walker is a great three-and-drive type of player. He also shot 52% from three, which is, of course, expected to dip a little bit, but if he can shoot over 40% from three, if you have Beatty controlling for the paint as well, you have a great one-two punch down there in, in Colorado. So, they're a great free throw shooting team. Um, they just a are, are very you know tough defensive unit overall. Similar to Washington State, they're just a gritty, a gritty bunch that's going to play tough. So Colorado will be another team that I keep an eye on. Uh, other you know towards the bottom of the pack of the Pac-12, you have Stanford, Utah, Washington, and Cal teams that will be on the on the bottom tier. You know Stanford really needs to, to kind of get their get their stuff to get together uh, soon for Coach Hayes or Haas, I, I suppose you would pronounce it. They lose Oscar de Silva, uh, so you have to see how they can bounce back from that. Uh, they have a talented squad, you know, some young, some young ball handlers on that team, uh, but their defense is going to have to carry them this year. So Stanford has has, has a tall order in front of them, considering the, the talent level that you see in the Pac-12, and then Oregon State as well. Another another gritty bunch that we saw make a great run through the, for, through the uh, March Madness uh, tournament last year. They lose Ethan Thompson, uh, Ethan Thompson, who of course is a huge piece for them. Uh, but you still have the great front court size, and and again another another great defensive unit. So you're looking at Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, some strong defenses, Colorado that uh, will make it hell for the top teams in this league for sure. But overall, I think you, I think you have to go with UCLA as, as the favorite to win this conference. Although I'd love to see Arizona, Oregon win it, uh, I think UCLA has it there, uh, and and good for them rightfully so. They they deserve to be talked about in that upper echelon of the Pac-12. Next up we have we have the AAC. So Houston, they lose Grimes and and uh who else Grimes and Doreau, excuse me. They lose Grimes and Doreau, who were two of their best players last year, and they get a bit younger now. I, I actually heard an interview with Kelvin Sampson over the summer. And I wouldn't say he was hesitant, but he certainly sounded a bit reserved with, with his younger squad about putting them together and making everything mesh, but when you have question marks like that, you look at the at the, the track record. And Samson has a good track record at Houston. You know, you know they're going to rebound well. You know they're going to play you tough every single year, um, and especially on the defensive side, they're, they're going to be a strong team. So, despite what you see from Wichita State and Memphis, Houston should be uh, a top three team in the AAC. You know, you could argue that their run to the NCAA ter- through the NCAA tournament last year was a bit soft, considering the the, the rank of the teams they played last year, but you have to trust Samson. You trust that he's going to get together. Same thing with Jay Wright, Tony Bennett, all these great coaches who no matter who they have come into, into their doors, they're able to put a, a very uh, good product on the court. So again, Houston probably top two team in the AAC. Next up is Memphis. All eyes are Memphis this here, both from the national title to the AAC title. So the end of the year, pretty strong. Penny Hardaway got his guys together and was able to make a good run. They ended up winning the NIT. Um, and, and now you have two awesome players coming in with Dern and Imani Bates, who will have all eyes on them. I expect them to have the ball a lot. You know, you're going to have a, a tough defensive interior and you're going to have the size as well to contest on the on the outside. So trying to score on Memphis is going to be very difficult, but it's going to come down to whether DeAndre Williams, Dern, Bates can all play together and, you know, Mesh well, and if Penny Hardaway can carry the momentum he had from the end of last year into the 2021-2022 season, fortunately, he brings some help in terms of the coaching staff. He has Larry Brown and Rasheed Wallace on his on his staff now to help him, I suppose, lead the way. They obviously have NBA, you know, experience. Larry Brown, a former Sixer coach, I believe he's an SMU coach as well. So that will hopefully bring some guidance there and and help f- fix the offensive issues that we saw last year, but in Memphis, you know, I have a future pick on them. It, it's worth it for sure. Considering the, the talent they have. And next up is Wichita state, Wichita state was a fun team last year. Um, and ETN is the big name there as well. Isaac Brown's done a great job of, of bringing this team towards the top of the, of the upper echelon of the AAC. Um, they also have in qua grant who was a D2 all American on there and Udizi, a good post-up player. So if ETN can continue to shoot great from deep, if he can continue to be that that high score that w- Wichita State needs, uh anything's possible. Uh and then again, like I said, the one two punch of Udizi on the inside and T- atn on the outside really makes this team uh exciting. Uh, they have a strong defensive unit and, and rebound and I'm sure will also be uh something that they try to focus on compared to when you especially when you go up against a team like Houston every single year. Next up is Cincinnati. Uh, they had a, a pretty chaotic ending. Br- uh, Brandon got fired last season and for basically endangering these students that he had under his dictator style, uh, I guess regime you can call it. But they bring in West Miller, you know, a very highly respected coach from UNC Greensboro. He comes in, he he brings back the, the Bearcats that were leaving with, with Mason Madsen and Mike Saunders. So he brings back a couple players and he also adds a few transfers along the way. Otto is a good block blocking rim protector down there. Miller, a good player for his, or rather Coach Miller is, is known for his defense. So having that blocking rim protectors is crucial for them. Koval is another good blocker and uh, Aguama can rebound as well. So you, you expect uh, Cincinnati to be that tough Uh, fighting team like we've seen in the past years, especially with Wes Miller focusing so much on the defensive side. Uh, The team that I I briefly mentioned earlier was SMU, uh, formerly under Coach Brown. Now they have to see if they can make up for last year's up and down season. You know, they made the NIT, but COVID really, really hurt them bad. And in terms of the betting standpoint, I try to stay away from them. Um, It was just hard to trust them. They constantly gave up the lead. And and that's not a team that I'd like to put my money on for sure. Uh, But Kendrick Davis led the country in assist rate. But besides him, the turnovers really hurt the squad for for sure. And then you lose Ferron Hunt for the pro- professional ranks. So, is this team going to be great? I don't know. Are they going to be serviceable? I think they can be a top five team in in the uh, AAC, maybe top four, depending on on what we see from Cincinnati. But SMU, a team to watch, probably not bet on, but definitely keep an eye on in terms of of the uh, AAC play. Next up is is a fun team that people are calling a sleeper in this league, the UCF. I think it's the Knights, right? Yeah, UCF. They bring back basically their entire squad, and they add in a couple transfers along the way. So you have a balanced attack now, both on the offensive and defensive side. You have good scoring options. Um, You have Darius Perry, who's a good point guard for them. And last year, towards the end of the season, just like you saw with with Memphis, they they kind of came together. They won seven of the last 10 games. Um, So you have a good roster. You have a couple scorers. Uh, Mahan's a good score to pay attention to. Uh, Freeman, a good Juco player that they have there and then Reynolds down low as well. So you're, you have a balanced team, and uh, hopefully they can make the tournament this year as a dark horse candidate. Maybe if everything lines up, they're the third best team in the AAC. I don't know about that with Wichita State, Memphis, and uh, Houston, but maybe if, if they can make it all mesh together, at least top three, top four team in, the, in this conference. And then lastly, we have Temple, Tulsa, Tulane, USF, and Eastern Carolina the bottom half. Those teams have a lot of question marks on them. Temple, local team for me. Uh, you know, Aaron McKee's squad got hit pretty hard with COVID. You hope that Dunn, Battle, and Williams being back there can can help them, and they have to rely on Jaleel White to be that fourth piece in that puzzle for, for them to really put it all together. Knowing Aaron McKee, this team is going to be pretty good a, a, as a defensive unit. They're going to be good in the paint, um, but it's going to come down to whether they can play consistently. And, you know, maybe we just look at last year and kind of throw it away. COVID hurt them. They couldn't get things together well. Maybe another offseason under their belt they can finally put it together. So, because it's a local squad, a team that I've seen watch recently play live, I hope that uh hope that Temple can do well. So, next up, uh oh, the ACC winner, I think I'm going to go with Memphis just just for the hell of it for Penny Hardaway. I like what he brings to the table with his squad. Now, next up is the Ivy League. Really hard to predict what to see, what to expect from the Ivy League, Consider, considering they didn't play last year. Um, but you look at at the, the top teams that are typically contending for the top spot, Harvard, Penn, Prince, and Yale. Noah Kirkwood being a top player from uh, from Harvard. Yale under James Jones is just always going to be good, uh, we, as we've seen the last couple of years. So I don't have a lot to say about Yale so far because you don't know what's changed over the last season. You know, how have the players matured? How has the coach been able to kind of keep the team intact? How have they developed of the offseason, season, et cetera. It, it's, it's hard to predict maybe because of the coach, James Jones, I'm going to go with Yale. Um, but it, for, for the betting standpoint, I'd probably wait a little bit before you bet on Ivy league team. Um, Everything you see now is very much on paper. You don't really have a sample size from last year to kind of give you, give you, give yourself a good prediction. So I would say wait on that uh, for the Ivy League, but I'll go with the AL. I know Penn, a local team, hopefully they can kind of pull it off. And Princeton as well, not too far from me. So next we're going to talk about Iona from the MWAC, or the MAC, I guess you want to call it, <laughs> compared to the regular MAC. So Iona under Rick Pitino uh, is just This is their conference. They should win the conference. Uh, And from a gambling standpoint, they were 75% against the spread in conference games at nine, three and one and non-con. They were three and two at 60%. And this year they have another, a a tough non-con schedule. They'll have to prove themselves. They have Harvard, Liberty, Bama, Yale, Delaware, and Seton Hall, all teams that can push for the NCAA tournament. So if they can pull off a win, at least a a a handful of those, you know, Iona only boosts their resume. But in terms of the transfers, you bring in Jolly from SMU. You bring in Joyner from Tulsa. Uh, So they have a good scoring backcourt, and you have uh, Nelly uh, Joseph as well and Dylan Van Eyck, who's in the frontcourt players, Joseph being your lone returning double-digit scorer. So you have some transfers, some down transfers. Uh, You have a couple good players coming back. You know, the whole league last year was hit hard by COVID. So it's one of those things where, again, you have to kind of throw it out the window, restart, and see what you can do. But... With Patino's trapping defense, with Patino's experience, you know that that Iona will be the team to watch here. So I expect them to do big things. I would be very surprised if they don't make the, the NCAA tournament this year. But other teams to look for uh, in this conference Ryder, Siena, Monmouth, you know, they might be the second tier. But again, I, I, this is Iona's league to lose. Next, we have the Mac. Uh, very exciting couple groups, a uh, couple teams here. We have Ohio, Buffalo, Toledo as my top three teams so far. Ohio, you know, you lose Preston, but you still return a a good amount of your players. You return four of their five highest scoring players from last year. You also bring back Jason Carter. Now he was with Xavier last season, but he was with Ohio previously. So he's, he's a bit of a unique, unique style transfer in the, in the regard that he doesn't have to get, you know, assimilated to this new way of doing things. He's already experienced it. He's back and he adds a nice piece of their puzzle, but Again, you return four of their five highest-scoring players. And then you have Mark Sears as the player to watch. Uh, he's going to be taking over that point guard role for Preston when he's gone. So all eyes on Mark Sears and, and that collection right there. Um, I'd say Ohio will most definitely be in the in the conversation for a top-two team in, in the MAC. I know they're playing uh, Cleveland State, who's a tough Horizon opponent, and I talked to Adam Mack about it as well. So pay attention to Ohio for sure. Next is Buffalo. You lose Graves, who averaged 14.3. Per game, but you still return a lot of your roster, including Williams. Uh, Williams should be a good player for them. Mbala was the MAC Defensive Player of the Year, and in the NIT, they made the NIT last year and they were 16 9 overall. So you have a couple of nice transfers, a couple of freshmen to, to keep an eye on. Uh, you bring back most of your roster overall. So Buffalo, I think, is my my pick for the uh, the MAC this year. I really like what they bring to the table. I know Ohio is going to be great, but I, I just want to see Buffalo do it this this season. And next up, Toledo. I, I mentioned them briefly with Marion Jackson leaving for Arizona State, but you're still going to be one of the better teams in the MAC. If you were betting on them last year, year against the spread, they were 20 and 10, uh, 14 and 7 in conference play, and then they ended up going to the NIT as well. So you bring back three of their top five scores. You know, losing Jackson, of course, is tough, um, but you bring in Dennis from uh, Boise State, and then you had uh, AJ Adu as a freshman of the year for for the MAC. So you, you have some. Some youth to pay attention to. You have some new players coming in, and you have a team that, even with without Jackson, should be should be pretty competitive. You know, I said top three, three of their top five scores coming back means a lot for their roster. So, do I think they're going to win the MAC? No, I think it's going to come down to Ohio and Buffalo, but still probably the third team in this conference. And if this team, this conference does end up getting two bids, that would be awesome. Uh, so maybe they can fight for that second spot. And then after that, Bowling Green, Kent State, probably the fourth or fifth team to contend here. Uh, I won't talk about them much, but you know, I'll skip to the next next conference. As I said, uh, Ohio and Buffalo, are the teams who watch in the MAC. For the MIAC, not a conference I'm too experienced on. Uh, I know Norfolk State won the conference uh, last year and they entered the tournament. They beat Appalachian State in the first four of the tournament as well, but then they end up getting pretty smacked around by Gonzaga after that. Uh, Morgan State was 14 and 8 overall last year, and the North Carolina A&T State was 7 and 1 in conference play. Uh, when it comes to Norfolk, they lost six, they lose six players, uh, but they bring in transfers from Little Rocks, uh, Ryder, and Sienna, so they have retooled a bit. But do I think that Norfolk will make it back to NC tournament with losing six players? I'm not sure. Uh, against the spread, they were okay, 9 and 5 overall. Morgan State, in terms of the betting standpoint, was 4 and 0 in their non-con against the spread, and then but only 7 and 7 in conference play. North Carolina Central, four and four in conference play against the spread, but then four and six non-con against the spread. So this may not be a league you want to bet heavily on considering those numbers and considering the question marks there. So, MIAC, uh, you know, wait and see on on who will win this one. Next is the Missouri Valley Conference, Uh, the MVC, which I loved last season. Uh, Drake. Personally, I think will be the best team in this conference. I know, but it's a tough top, tough top four squads that we have to pay attention to. So Drake, you return back. Literally everybody except for Yusefu, Hempel, and Pendo, Though it was really unfortunate what we saw last year from Drake. They lose those two players for for short stints with due to injury, um, and th- and that affected them big time. Especially when you had a powerhouse like Loyal Chicago out there, who you know were, was able to beat Illinois in the uh, NCAA tournament. But from a gambling standpoint, my goodness, they were good. 11-2 and two as a home team, 20-5 and five in the regular season, and then 7-2 and two in non-conference games against the spread. So whatever DeVries is doing out there, he's doing a great job leading this team. And you bring back Penn and Hemphill. Um, and even with that kind of shaky end of the year, you still made the NCAA tournament. So with all that coming back, and with the, the loss of Porter Moser and Crutwig for Loyola Chicago, I think this team will absolutely be ready to take the uh, MVC conferences here. So pay attention to Drake. Um, I think one of their early matchups for the non conference is Richmond, which is a highly touted A10 team. So if they can get that kind of ball rolling in, in non-conference play, get that betting streak back back in, I think that they're going to do great things uh, in the MVC. Next, as I mentioned, Loyal Chicago. You lose the the awesome player that was Crutwick down low, and you lose Porter Moser. He goes to Oklahoma to coach there. You bring in Drew Valentine, who's their new coach. He's been there for a few years already. He is young, though. He's only 30. So you have to see how he does, a young coach does with these these players. Can he kind of bring back the magic from Sister Jean and company with Loyola Chicago? But when you want to look at their schedule a bit closer, I thought they got lucky last year. So first, they beat Missouri State, which is another team that that was highly regarded in the NBC. Obviously not in the top tier of Drake and, and Loyola Chicago, but still they were a competitive team last year, but when you did play Missouri state last season, they had just come off the back-to-backs with Drake. So Missouri state faces the back-to-backs of Drake. They lose both of them. They come into play uh, Loyola Chicago and they just, they just didn't have anything left. Their, their tournament dreams were basically dashed at that point. So I think they just kind of collapsed. If I look at the scores now for Loyola Chicago versus Missouri state it was 72, 46 and 70 to 50 in favor of the Ramblers. So they really got fortunate there. And then when they played Drake, they blew them out once one game and they play, they lost to them on, on the next game. But again, that came down to the injuries of Hemphill and Penn. Uh, you're playing a Drake squad that wasn't as full as potential at that point. So I thought they got a bit fortunate there, but regardless, you're bringing back their next seven scores after Crutwick. And then you bring in Chris Knight from Dartmouth, who I've, I've heard is, is a really nice player, nice addition for them. So for Drew Valentine being a first-year coach at the age of thirty, he he certainly has a lot of great pieces in place. Um, do I think they're going to beat Drake? No. Do I think they can compete with Drake? Absolutely. I would expect them to be the one B to Drake's one A in this conference. And then next, as I mentioned, Missouri State. You know, the Bears had had a tough run when they had the back-to-backs. They they had back-to-backs of Drake. They lost sixty-eight to sixty-one and seventy-eight to seventy-three in those two matchups. And then, as I mentioned already. They get blown out uh, by more than 20 points in both of those matches versus Lola Chicago. But regardless, you know, even though you lose Ritter, who's had seven points per game as your forward, you have Mosley, Prim, and Black coming back as your top three scorers. So they have scoring, they have their players coming back. You can kind of just rebuild and, and take what you had the success you had last year and build off it. Do I think they're gonna be top two team in the league? No, I still think the Ramblers and Drake will hold that, but Missouri State. Maybe a, a three bid league this year if they play well enough. Who knows? Missouri State for sure could could make that to, could make that conversation. And then Northern Iowa, you have to look at North, Northern Iowa's but uh, great great player AJ Green. It comes down to him being healthy. He's had I think two hip surges already. For someone that young is is pretty unfortunate. But if AJ Green can be healthy and you bring back a massive part of this roster around him. Um, so two years ago, he, he was that Missouri Valley conference player of the year. So you have his caliber of player surrounded by the experience and depth around him. You know, there's absolutely no reason why Northern Iowa can't be in that conversation for a three bid MVC, uh, you know, push come, come March and April. Uh, but, Default teams that I don't think will make break to top four. And when you look at that top four, I still think Drake, this is the year to make it maybe a run through the NCAA tournament. Who knows? If they can if they can have that core play as as highly as they expect them to play. Next, another another conference I really like was the Mountain West. Uh specifically last year, one of my favorite teams was Utah State. It's unfortunate for them. They lose Craig Smith to Utah. But you bring in Ryan Odom from UMBC. Of course, the UMBC team who who upset Virginia a couple of years back as, as they were the one seed, but the biggest loss for them is they lose Kata. If you did not watch Kata last season as an interior presence, he was just phenomenal. And Craig Smith really benefited from him being in the paint. It's unfortunate to lose him and Ryan Odom. I think he did bring a couple of UMBC players in with him, but it's a new coach, new system, new transition for this for this collection of players. I know Bean is a great player out there, but we'll have to see. Wait and see what Utah State has to offer because the Mountain West as a whole is very tough this year. Uh, last year, it really was you know the haves and the have-nots, the tops and the bottoms of this of this conference. The top four teams obliterated the bottom half of of the league, but this year it's, it's a bit more competitive. San Diego State, of course, being the top team that we've seen so far in the Mountain West, you lose a few key players with uh, Mitchell Gomez and and Shackle, I believe is is how you pronounce his name, but, Matt Bradley coming from Cal, I think, is a, is a great addition for them. Uh, a down transfer like that coming in, he's a good scoring senior. He brings that veteran presence to them. You also bring in Chad Baker from Duquesne and Ladie as a solid player from TCU. So you have a couple transfers that can really make an impact. And San Diego State, of course, you know, you, you expect them to be a very strong defensive unit. Even if their non con isn't phenomenal, their, their conference play will likely get into the tournament this year, and I expect them to be a top 30, top 40 team, as we've seen so far uh, from their coach. Next up is a team that a lot of people are picking, Colorado State. Roddy being the player there that has all eyes on him. Uh, you know, the, the Coach Medved has done a great job building this team. I think last year I actually bet on Utah State against him and lost, but uh, and I saw last season, you know, wow, this team could really be good next year, and, and here they are in the conversation. Stevens and Moore in the backcourt. Uh, they have Moore's down low, a 6'10 big man who's 240 pounds. So you have size. You have that playmaker with Roddy who can just do do a bunch of stuff. You have Stevens and Moore in the backcourt. And then you have a team that was one of the higher offensive teams in the, in the conference last year. Excuse me. So they can make their free, throw, free throws they're becoming a more veteran squad with juniors and seniors. Uh, I think Colorado State can absolutely be a team to, to pay attention to in the Mountain West. And I, I know a couple teams, or a couple uh, outlets rather, have had them as a top 25 team. So Colorado State, pay attention to them. And the team people are falling in love with is Nevada. Uh, from a gambling standpoint, they were 15-4 and four in conference play against the spread and you of course now have the focus on the backcourt of Sherfield and Cambridge all conference players with Sherfield likely to get national attention as well but you have front court depth you have a great backcourt and uh you know last year they played spoiler they they took Boise State and Colorado State out of the picture last season last year for the NCAA tournament they were kind of on the bubble those two teams and Nevada said no no you're going to stick around with us and miss the tournament so they're hyping them a lot they didn't have a phenomenal year last year overall but with that late run, with that backcourt, I think people are really oohing and on about what their potential can be. Uh, so Nevada, both a gambling standpoint and a competitive standpoint, pay attention to them. And then next, Boise State, which is one of the more consistent squads in the in the NWC. Um, you know, they last, a lot, they lost the last four games last year, which ended up pushing them out of the bubble. As I mentioned, Nevada kind of took took care of business with them there. But Boise State, you kind of know we're going to get a competitive squad likely top four team in the MWC and, and that's about it. In terms of coaching changes as well, some more coaching changes with this conference. You have uh, Rick Petino's son at New Mexico. You saw him at um Minnesota. If I remember correctly, he brought in M- Mashburn from Minnesota to play for him. So I'm not a big Petino fan. Uh we'll see what what he does in New Mexico. And then you have a Lon Kruger's son playing uh Lon Kruger's son Kevin rather playing a uh, coaching for UNLV. Now He is a first-time coach, so don't get too excited just from the name alone. But he does have his father, Lon, as, I guess, an advisor for him. So maybe that gives him the extra guidance he needs for those transfers that are coming in. Um, UNLV, New Mexico, teams to watch for maybe the the fifth, sixth team in this conference. And then you have Fresno State, San Jose State, Arizona – not Arizona, I'm sorry, Air Force, uh, closer to the bottom of the table here. But uh, Colorado State, I'm going to take Colorado State this year to win the, the conference. I think that they can beat San Diego state and Nevada in that kind of three-way tie for the top spot. And then two more conferences to go, and then I'll be done with it. Uh, Northeast, you had Bryant, to Mount St. Mary's in the, tournament, in the conference tournament last year, and they were unfortunate that they could not make uh, the, that March Madness uh, pool. But they were 11-7 last year in the, in the regular season against the spread. And you bring back your leading scorer with a kiss, and you bring back your core. So they don't have a lot of bench depth. Uh, So you really need to maybe get one or two pieces there to help them kind of take the next step. But Bryant was a fun team to watch. Um, And you added George George Mason transfer as well for some size and experience too. Other teams to pay attention to. You have LIU, who's got a good front court. Sacred Heart, who returns a lot, and then Wagner as well returns a lot, including Alex Morales, the, the NEC Player of the Year, and he's just a, a phenomenal guard that I've heard great things about so far. So Wagner will be a team I have to pay closer attention to this season when when I when I watch Bryant in the Northeast. So overall, I like Bryant unless Morales can take Wagner to the next level. Uh, you know, we'll see what they can do, but I think I think I'll go with Bryant again this year because I, I really liked them last season, and then finally. We have the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference. I thought Belmont got snubbed last year as they did not make the tournament. I was hoping that they would have made it over Syracuse, but I don't make the rules. It was unfortunate because Casey Alexander, who's who's just a really good coach, had a nice season. And it's unfortunate they lost in the, in the conference tournament. The OVC is not typically a two-bid league, uh, so they lose some more head state. And it's just unfortunate for them because I thought they had a lot going for them. In terms of the gambling standpoint, they were 17 eight and one against the spread in the regular season, and they were b- over sixty percent both home and away. So, if you're looking to bet, bet on them. If you're looking to pick them as your conference winner, I'd say it's safe to, to pick them, and you know they should at least try to make it. But if they are want to improve their NCAA tournament appearances next year, or the year rat, the year after, rather, uh, they are moving to the NBC, so they will be in the likes in the uh, in the same conference as Drake little Chicago, Missouri state, uh, Northern Iowa, as I mentioned before. And, and hopefully that will give them the chance to be a two bid, uh, team in, in a league that gets more recognition compared to the OVC other teams to pay attention to. You have Moorhead state. As I mentioned, they were in the NCAA tournament. They lost to West Virginia though, unfortunately in the first round, uh, and they lose Cooper, who was one of their highest scorers last year. They bring in a couple transfers and you also have Johnny broom, who was the OVC freshman of the year and Potter, who was one of their big three point guy out there. So, Moorhead state can maybe make another push for the second spot in the OVC behind Belmont. And then Murray state, uh, John Morant, Murray state, uh, you know, you lose a good handful of players, but they do keep their two highest scores. And KJ Williams is a, is a big scoring big man down low. And, but he also shot pretty good from three. And then Tevin Brown is a good guard for them who can kind of stuff this, the stat sheet as well. So Murray state, Moorhead state, maybe they bow for the second and third spots while OVC, is is run by Belmont, which I think this is their conference this year for sure. Uh, but overall, that concludes my conference previews. As I mentioned, it's a lot to unpack. You know, my main point of this is not to be diving deep into every single squad, every single team, every single player. What I want you guys to focus on is okay. I didn't pay attention to college basketball all summer because I was watching baseball or whatever the sport you were watching. So can I get a crash course in the teams to pay attention to a couple players, a couple transfers? I I kind of want to be a cliff notes, I guess you can call it for the college basketball world. Uh, so hopefully you've enjoyed these, these very fast hitting conference previews. Um, I I've really enjoyed make putting together so far and I've learned a lot. And, what you see, you'll see from me moving forward is I have a pretty exciting guest uh, coming in next next week. I'll, I'll announce it after the show is released uh, to talk about Pittsburgh, and then after that we'll we'll discuss a week by week analysis of of the each game or each uh, each matchup uh, coming in November, December, and, and moving forward towards the NCAA tournament. I'll talk betting. You know, players to watch for, maybe the money line plays that I'm intrigued by, maybe a couple parlays. Uh, last year I did pretty solid in, in, in the betting standpoint. So I hope to share the knowledge with you and hopefully we can all make some money. But I'll close now with my sponsors. First up is Manscaped. You get 20% off and free shipping if you use code AATBirds at manscaped.com. Next up is OddJam, the number one software platform for sportsbook bandits. Sign up today at oddjam.com via AATBirds. Oh, that's not my... There you go. Another sponsor. Check out Statement Games at StatementGames.com for a fun new way to fantasy sports entertainment. You can win gift cards and and free prizes because it is completely free to sign up. So please check out StatementGames.com. It's a really, really interesting way to gamble. Next up is one of our newest sponsors, LotsRoying watches, LotsRoying.com. Use code AATBIRDS for 10% off checkout for some really, really nice collection of watches there at LotsRoying. And lastly... Well, this is for my Across the Pitch show, but if you go to uh, ATBirds.com shop, you can uh, check out all of our gear, Barrera's Bucket, the Across the Pitch show gear that I have on sale there, and then all the other network shows as well, Chips and Dish, uh, the weekly show. Johnny puts out a bunch of great Eagles content and stuff with that, and then Burning Bridges as well, one of our newest shows. So I hope you've enjoyed our conference preview so far. As I mentioned next week, we have a very exciting special guest that I'll announce later on this weekend uh, to discuss Pittsburgh and, and what we should expect from them moving forward entering the 2021 season. So thanks, everybody. Have a great night.